Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello, brothers and sisters. Uh, welcome to another episode of Masala PTI. Your uh, hopefully weekly uh, session with a couple of desis who are into sports. Uh, this is Arvind Srinivasan, and I got with me my partner in crime, Ravi Krishnan, who is uh, who is not with me here right now, but you know he's all set up to share some of our thoughts on sports this week. How is it going, Ravi? Going fantastically well, Arvind. Thank you, and uh, happy and excited to be here doing uh, podcast episode number three. And that's, within a week, Arvind, what do you say? That's true. Yeah, we are at three already for people who are keeping uh, score. By the way, have you been watching any of the Olympics? Yes, I mean I have a passing interest. Olympics represent that one sporting event, I guess, where you forget uh, any of those. athletes actually exist in this world until those 2 3 weeks sure. every 4 years and then you root for them as if they were your long lost uh, sibling <laughs> yeah hope you caught the opening ceremony did you see me carry the flag for tonga it's <laughs> a good one i mean actually i did not but i think just the just the just the sound of it sounds funny yeah he's supposedly the heart throb uh, of the entire world right now he's having a good time um so we will uh, talk a little bit about olympics throughout the show but like you said i'm not too much into it either i guess it's uh, we should probably say that we are now all set up on twitter we have a twitter handle at masala pti right and as we go through the fantasy season that's where we welcome feedback and comments and questions even now i mean people are welcome to post whatever they want to at our twitter handle we also have a facebook page and we're trying to set up a youtube channel and all of that is uh, linked from our soundcloud uh, podcast page so folks should uh, check out and say hi to us when they can um the other thing we should probably talk about ravi is uh, we would be doing a mock draft next week hopefully and yes and i'm thoroughly excited about that arvin because i think that represents uh, uh, i guess the the starting point of where all of this really originated in our minds i guess uh, uh, just to go back in relatively recent history for a brief minute uh, i think it was at the end of last uh, uh, fantasy football season that you and i were uh, discussing how to kind of prolong our conversations around sports a little bit more right, right. Uh, and ju- kind of bridge the gap between last fantasy season and this one and that's how this pa- this podcast actually started so yes. very excited to soon get into the thick of things and i think the mock draft next week uh, should be the first step in that direction right we don't want it to be exclusively about fantasy but obviously fantasy will be a huge part of this and uh, as yeah obviously we also get into other things One question for you: Do you want to do a PPR draft or a standard draft? You know, it seems like uh, over the past couple of years, there's been more of a 
push towards PPR. I mean, I see that even, uh, right. you know, what I call vanilla sites like ESPN and their uh, uh, fantasy, uh, you know, football uh, tool uh, seems to be uh, getting more PPR heavy. I mean, still, still, I think standard leagues are, are definitely uh, the far more dominant uh, type. That's but I think PPR makes for a lot of interesting conversation also because of the changing flavor of certain positions uh, that we briefly discussed last time. Like, for yeah. example, a running back today is far different from the traditional carry the rock 35 times type of a running back. Right. We could definitely do a PPR. I mean, interesting, you mentioned the split. I still wonder what the split is between PPR and standard. Standard probably uh, dominates, uh, but... Let's do a PPR draft. And later in the show, we'll also talk about some strategies for drafting. And, you know, I'm not even sure if you and I are going to agree on some of those, but that's the fun part of it all, right? Uh, each one of us have our own thoughts. And next week, we are kind of going to bring it all together into a mock draft. That's going to be fun. Indeed. Um, before that, I want to uh, touch on a couple of things. One was, uh, you know, I was thinking about the whole attention NBA has been getting lately. And this week, I heard this news about the NBA schedule, and I thought they released the schedule. And it turns out they've not even released the schedule. It's just bits and pieces are, like, out now. Like, you know, the Warriors are going to host the Cavaliers on Christmas Day. And, you know, Durant is going into OKC sometime in February, I think. Uh, things like that and, and you know you being an NBA fan as well I thought you would appreciate that how NBA is kind of carving a niche for itself in this off season and getting a lot of attention uh, you know much like what NFL does throughout the year right I mean we all know NFL is the king yeah each of these leagues are aspiring to be an NFL and I feel like the last few years, NBA has done a really good job, especially with its free agency, especially when somebody like Durant or uh, um, LeBron is a free agent. It seems like between the start of the finals in June through August, they kind of have this media uh, covered. And I, it's interesting that they're probably taking a lot of eyeballs away from baseball in that period because that's the only other sport really going on. But between the draft and the free agency and this uh, scheduled release, it's almost like they're mimicking the NFL. Uh, they're like a poor man's NFL. They're uh, mimicking that model, but doing a good job of getting a lot of attention. Yeah, uh, true. And... Another angle to the same thing is what I have seen in uh, the last few months uh, on TV or on media in general, which is, I think, a big part of NFL's uh, popularity also stems from, as you said, how their public relations machine is able to generate constant uh, you know, interest and eyeballs yeah. during the off season by virtue of uh, you know sh whether it is documentaries or uh, player profiles or not player like basically person profiles like NBA Live and other types of documentaries or even hard knocks. I think that j keeps people's uh, uh, 
memories and interests alive in the NFL. And I think something interesting as a nugget in this regard is I must confess, and I have no data to support what I'm going to say, but I must say that in the last couple of months, I have seen more uh, what I call reality-based profile shows on NBA TV mm-hmm. than I ever remember in the past, whatever, 10, 12 years since NBA TV has been in existence. Like, you know, they had a show on Kobe and his last year. They had another one talking about how basketball is becoming popular in Asia. And again, maybe they had these before, but I'm assuming these probably took the midnight to 1 a.m. slot <laughs> uh, until last year. But now, I... You know, in fact, the last one I watched was on Nash, our favorite, uh, uh, nice. you know, point guard Nash. And they had him, I think, on a Friday evening at 6 p.m. And I was thinking, you know, that's one way of at least catering to uh, an NBA-centric uh, audience, uh, especially when there are no games that are going on. Yes, definitely. I think NFL has uh, figured this out, right? It's almost like the other leagues are uh, uh, have to copy that model and hope they can get the audience to go with it. And NBA either has been lucky or good over the last few years to be able to do this during summer. Now, obviously, the hot stove league is pretty popular in the in baseball, but then they're, they're, it's in winter and they're actually competing against NFL. That's pretty much a losing proposition for yeah. any, any league this day and age. NBA has this kind of this window where nothing else is going on and they seem to be uh, milking it. And, you know, there are people like, Bill Simmons have a lot of other ideas to make it even more of a big deal. So it's going to be interesting how this thing evolves and how yeah, it impacts and, you know, baseball. And the, thing, the thing that I feel in the NBA think tank has uh, shamefully missed out on is the obvious truth that if you look at the global audience as, you know, as your in-scope audience to capture, basketball holds... Uh, a lot more gleam and shimmer in at a global level than uh, the NFL or than football. Definitely. Uh, so not to kind of do anything during the quote-unquote NBA offseason uh, until very recently is a huge lost opportunity in my mind. Yeah, so I think they're learning from the NFL and that's good. Good for us fans, right? We are always uh, up for any, uh, any uh, NBA action or news or whatever. It is. You know, it's still, and I, you know, again, I don't want to belabor the point, but to me, there are, you know, that's where I think the NFL scores such high marks in in their ability to be true, uh, uh, what do I call it, advertising and uh, marketing, uh, market grabbing uh, genius. Yeah. You know, we have the Olympics that were going to, or that are justifiably holding center stage right now. And I feel one of the most sought after sporting events during the uh, Olympics is uh, basketball, a huge reason for which is the dream team. But in my mind, today, the NBA has gone so global. I was, the other day, I was watching Croatia play Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, And there were, I would say, around six to seven NBA players, uh, you know, between the two teams. And similarly, France played Australia and they had 10 current NBA players. And in my mind, it would have been very simple for NBA to, you know, send their, uh, whatever their documentary team and, and slap together some broken script around the, you know, the, the, the preparation or the making of Team Australia or something, you know, I'm just like, yeah. 
just thinking off of the cuff here. Right. But to me, that would hold interest among true basketball aficionados. Right. I, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of things they can do better. NFL has really figured this out. Right. Speaking of, did you uh, catch any of the Hall of Fame festivities? Um, that was last week. And unfortunately, NFL screwed up a little bit there and the game was itself was cancelled, which not a big deal for me, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who travel long distances to get there and they were probably disappointed. But uh, I got a lot of the induction ceremony itself and there are a lot of good talks and for the local Bay Area angle, since we both live here, Eddie DiBartolo Jr. was inducted and he had some good stories uh, uh, in there. But one of the things that really surprised me was supposedly one of the more controversial uh, inductees this year was uh, coach Tony Dungy. And I did not know until I researched later that there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, blogs and a lot of criticism of his choice because supposedly the ex-Cowboys coach Jimmy Johnson is not, is not in there yet, and he won two Super Bowls. And speaking of local teams, Tom Flores, who's also won two uh, Super Bowls with the Raiders, well, is not in there either. So some people are really questioning Dungy's induction. To me, um, I thought that being the first uh, African-American coach to win a Super Bowl, that, that kind of counts for something, right? It's It's a big achievement. It's not a walk in the park it's not a walk in the park for any coach to get to that level but for especially being african-american i'm sure he had to deal with a lot more yeah. but they were even there they were talking about how uh, he's the first african-american not necessarily a minority because again going back to tom flores he, he is the first I, I guess he was a hispanic head coach who won two super bowls for the raiders and he's not in there and i i was a little bit surprised that Tony Dungy was uh, getting a lot of attention in the blogs and uh, uh, among the media in some circles. I, I didn't hear it a whole lot on ESPN, but at least in some circles. So, uh, Arvind, this is a major moment in our uh, nascent uh, <laughs> history of this podcast. And I say this because today, for the first time, I think I vehemently disagree with you <laughs> on Tony Dungy. Okay. You know, and by the way, I I mean, I should state the disclaimer that I wasn't following the whole uh, Hall of Fame hoopla. So I don't have much of an awareness of who were the you know, nominations or who were the nominees and who did Tony Dungy actually uh, you know, uh, go over in order to make uh, it into the Hall of Fame. But based on, number one, getting to know that he had made it, and secondly... Uh, you mentioning earlier that we should make this a podcast topic. I was just looking through uh, the worth or the value of Tony Dungy as a potential Hall of Fame selection. And I was aghast when I read what I did, which is, let's talk about the positives first. I think, yes, mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, let's be honest. I think his uh, uh, overall demeanor, what he brings as a total personality as not just a role model within the NFL coaching or the NFL community uh, specifically is, uh, uh, you know, beyond compare. But I think even in general, outside of it, in, in our human society, I think he represents everything that's good, everything that's ideal. He is a perfect role model. And right. 
what I also saw was that he, I guess, ranks fifth in wins among the group of coaches that are in the Hall of Fame. And he also has a higher winning percentage than Belichick, who, you know, we both would admit is the current gold yeah. standard among coaches. He's the but, first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm sure. Oh, exactly. So, so yes, so all of those stats and facts and uh, the general, uh, the, the, the X factors make Dungy seemingly a shoe-in, which I guess he was. But to me, the, the, the break... Uh, you know, that was the make, to me, the break aspect of why he shouldn't have made it is the playoffs. Uh, he's the only one amongst the Hall of Fame coaches with a losing record. And that's a big negative in my mind. Yeah, they, uh, they uh, said say that. But, you know, one of the things you need to give him credit for is also, I kind of give the John Gruden Tampa Bay Super Bowl in spirit to him, right? He had that team for years and years and... He just couldn't get over that last hump. Here walks in, uh, you know, here comes uh, Chucky walking in, and then the very first year, boom, he went and won the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, you cannot give put Ganji in the Hall of Fame for that or being a nice guy, but to me personally, all of that is a huge, you know, uh, nod for Ganji, right? The fact that he's a very, seems like a very classy guy, and he almost took Tampa Bay, to that championship, even though that's not under his name, and of course he won one with uh, with with Indy Indianapolis with uh, Peyton Manning. But yeah, the critics are basically that's all the whole argument, right? The people who support him say what I'm saying, and the critics are exactly finding out his playoff record and things like that, uh, yeah. that like you are. And and to to further uh, augment, uh, you know his playoff record in general, to me, I think he, in addition to just the fact that he had a losing record, I feel that he, in some ways, uh, underachieved given the roster he had, uh, you know, during his indie days. I mean, I think having a, a perennial, uh, you know, superstar like Peyton Manning... Well, then you could, you could actually also blame Peyton Manning for it too, right? Because he was also often knocked for being a slightly uh, underachiever himself in playoffs and big games. Yes, so, I mean, and by the way, which 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 would be the case for sure. Like, you know, as in when Peyton Manning comes up, I know that uh, I'll pretty much look insane uh, and a maniac if I were to say Peyton Manning doesn't deserve first ballot. But to me, the one big uh, point of, you know, staying on Peyton Manning's record also is the fact that those Dungy Manning years didn't lead to more uh, yeah. Super Bowls. Yeah, but that's uh, not just no, winning them, but even getting to them. There's no uh, stopping Peyton, dude. He's he's in. He's in. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But to me, and and that's where I think that's where I guess, uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, one has a uh, you know more game argument when we talk about coaches in the same in the same context than we do with star players. So I think, yes, Peyton Manning gets in, which brings me to a kind of a similar issue I have with someone else, which is a similar issue as is with Dungy, not with Peyton. And that is with Troy Aikman, this time a player. Uh, I know Troy Aikman made it into the Hall of Fame a few years ago, oh. and that kind of killed me. Because, Come you know, on, don't mind, tell me you don't, you don't think represents, uh, uh, you know, that 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 very delicate but definitely present area between mediocrity and uh, goodness uh, than <laughs> Troy Aikman. 
you know, having to your earlier point, uh, Arvind, having Jimmy Johnson, uh, not to mention Emmett Smith, Michael Irwin, and a super stud, one of the all-time best offensive lines, and still having more interceptions than touchdowns, pretty mediocre games one record, and still he's sitting in the Hall of Fame, and Kurt Warner is not. Uh-huh. kills me yeah i mean he, the guy has got three super bowls and he is uh, you're right i mean he doesn't have top of the line stats or numbers in in some sense but at the same time he has the scoreboard as as uh, as far as the super bowls go um yeah i guess i guess you're a little bit of a tough guy in ranking letting people into the hall of fame i know a lot of folks <laughs> no, like so, that. okay arvin I, i will i mean i know i've kind of uh, rambled on on this for you know for the last several minutes but i just have something to say and again the problem is this would be really funny if it was not true but it is true nevertheless that and again i don't believe sheerly in data but if you look i mean i was just reading literally a few minutes ago that he has fewer touchdown passes than Brad Johnson, Chris Chandler, Jim Everett <laughs> and John Kitna. Wow. That's uh that is surprising, but he yeah, he had a long career too. I'm actually surprised by some of the names in that list. <laughs> yeah. But but you know the guy has three uh Super Bowls and he uh, he had a He had a decent accuracy, though. He's uh, he didn't make a lot of mistakes. He's uh, he was very productive his entire career. Now, granted, I mean, he has a lot of people around him, um, but you know, sometimes the Super Bowl carries too much weight, right? It's just a fundamental complaint I have that you know we sometimes evaluate quarterbacks, especially, and probably coaches too purely on on Super Bowls, right? Yeah. Absolutely, and you know what scares me, Arvind? This uh, we're talking about Dungey with one, Troy Aikman with three, and both of those numbers making it pretty uh, justified for them to get in. I am shit scared that five years from now we're going to be talking about Eli Manning being a first ballot <laughs> Hall of Famer, oh, given that he has multiple Super Bowls as well. His career is not done though. Maybe he will build a resume which will change your mind. Uh, <laughs> you know i think so. i'd be happy for odell beckham if that were to happen <laughs> yeah i think i think he has a shot clearly but you're right i mean just because he has two super bowls shouldn't be the only thing that's putting him in there but uh he has a shot for sure because of the super bowls because that's how people think but to me coming back to dungy at least for me i think i have no complaints i i think he's well deserving because of the person he is i mean we don't know these people but from what i can tell from the reports and watching him on tv and from his players as well as the fact that is the first uh, black coach to win a super bowl i think also deserves some uh, uh, extra points but speaking of the same uh, all of fame it really pissed me off though that uh, ex raider quarterback ken stabler was uh, inducted the year after he passed away that's really sad i mean i thought he was a surefire all of famer but they really screwed this one up they waited all you know these these years and then they finally put him in and then he passed just last year in july so i wish they had uh, they had, you know been a little bit more uh, fair with him that was sad i i I, true and you know it was uh, especially touching 
hearing what John Madden had to say, which is that uh, he said if he had one quarterback to make a drive the length of the field, uh, yeah. that guy would be stabler. Right. You know, and yeah, there are certain parts of this that kind of seem like almost uh, uh, sympathy inductions when they shouldn't be. Yeah. Ken Stabler really deserved to be in, and he deserved to be in 20 years ago. Exactly, right? Really screwed it up. But to be fair, I guess they have the role list every year, and it's a little bit of a tough call to, you know, filter it out to six or seven or eight, or I don't know how they do it. But still, I think Ken Stabler was a mistake not putting him in earlier. Um, that was the most striking part of the uh, Hall of Fame for me, all seven that. With that said, maybe we should start talking more about contemporary uh, football, especially fantasy football. And for those, uh, first I should probably mention that for those uh, 18 people or over in the world who still do not play fantasy football or <laughs> wondering what this is about, I guess I want to just say I strongly encourage uh, people to get in on this train and actually partake, if not for anything else, just to have a good time in your, with your friends and keep in touch. You know, I, It's probably fair to say, Ravi, that even you and I wouldn't be in touch uh, this much if not for uh, fantasy football. I know, uh, that sounds kind of... Uh, weird but that's absolutely true right because you know like as especially as we move away from our uh, college days or whatever it's easy to lose touch with our college buddies or high school buddies or whatever and i think fantasy to me the biggest contribution is really aside from the fun the, the you know uh, excitement on sundays or even some monetary gains if you're really playing for a lot of money that's all one thing, but really it keeps you in touch with your friends and in a lot of cases family and I would strongly encourage and it doesn't have to be the traditional fantasy football, you could start slow with, you know, people do these confidence leagues where you pick just winner of all the games on Sundays, that just takes you 15-20 minutes to pick and you rank them like the most confident you are, you would give them 16 points and then the next one would get 15 and if your picks are right that gets tallied up and that gets tallied up across every week and at the end of the season you pick a winner those are fun uh, uh, forms of fantasy as well i don't even know if that's the right term but uh, those could be easier to start and then you can come into the hardcore fantasy life maybe next year or whatever um, and I know, Ravi, you do a lot of DFS as well, right? Which I, I do as well, but I think you are more into that than me. Yeah, and by the way, just to uh, address something on your earlier point, I think a lot of detractors, uh, as far as fantasy football or fantasy sports in general is concerned, uh, talk about how much it takes time away from regular stuff in order to invest uh, you know, that much effort into fantasy. And you know, while that reason or excuse may have been true 10 years ago uh, things are far different now with the advent of technology and the internet and mobile devices yeah. it appears that pretty much uh, anything and everything truly literally and figuratively is available at your fingertips and as such i don't think 
uh, you know, uh, paucity of time is the reason why someone who's uh, ardently interested in sport or would like to get enthusiastic about sport would not do fantasy. So I think that reason has become pretty obsolete in itself. Definitely. Definitely. And to your other, I mean, to, to something else that you said, which I agree even more, more to is it has become one of, in my mind, the top three social icebreakers. You know, you basically mm -hmm. can strike up a conversation about it with anyone uh, anywhere and I think there is value to be had in that and as you correctly said I think you and I went to college 20 years ago as did uh, most of the other folks that we are in this one league together yeah. and I would hazard a fairly uh, you know confident guess that none of us would be so in touch with each other if not for fantasy sports. Yeah somehow even though we are 20 years away from college we have still managed to stay at 25 years old. I don't know how we pull that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and candidly, well, some of us haven't actually seen each other in person in the last 20 years. I know a few of us met up last year, but yeah. still it doesn't feel like the ones that we haven't met, we feel too far away from. True, true. Now, I, I did want to talk to you about DFS because um, I don't know if you'd agree. I, I think just a matter of time before it gets into bigger and bigger trouble. I personally think, despite I don't have a huge problem with it, I personally think, can't believe it is legal. I, I think it needs to be banned, <laughs> actually. I, uh, but I don't know if you agree with that assessment. I, I mean, as you can probably guess, I do not <laughs> agree with that assessment. I am a self-confessed DFS uh, uh, campaign manager, uh, you know, uh, in the closet though, and uh, you know, to me, uh, see, because I uh, actually, you know what, I was about to say that I can see the argument of it being called equivalent to gambling, but actually, you know what, mm -hmm. I do not, because there is uh, the level of what one would call lottery or, uh, uh, you know, a guess-based winning uh, is, is, is not dominant as dominant as the extent uh, knowledge of which team is stronger what are the weather conditions who has the home court advantage things which actually determine uh, performance and potential success in the sporting event in that game i think those are the things which are yeah. more valuable whether or not it is dfs or mm -hmm. otherwise and therefore to me it is not pure chance based winning well, so therefore does not qualify as gambling you're making a good case for you know, uh, DFS, but really, the the part the problem I have with it is uh, by that logic, the gambling that happens in Vegas, right, the actual sports gambling, could be legal too, which which is only legal in Vegas and few other places. This is closer to that than to fantasy sports. That's the problem I have. So. Again, I don't have an addictive personality, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me one way or the other, and I'm sure this year I will get in and play a few uh, leagues with you and you know some of our other friends. But to me, it's way closer to gambling than it is to traditional fantasy. And I can't believe they've been able to you know, spin this as a quote-unquote game of skill and then uh, make it legal uh, across the country. And if you look at the history, I don't know if you have dug deep into this, Ravi. So supposedly in 2006, they introduced this law called the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act or something. Yes, yes. 
and that was supposed to basically tighten the screws on banks from accepting gambling money or something like that right but as part of that larger deal where they were actually tightening things they wanted to kind of cut some slack to fantasy football because it was just fantasy sports in general right it was because it was just so popular and they didn't want this to become a they basically didn't want to make 200 million americans do something illegal or whatever right so they wanted to exempt fantasy football so they specifically called it out little did they know that in 2 years you know people will figure out a way to literally squeeze gambling through this whole loophole uh, in the form of dfs to me that's really what happened and and you know smart uh, by those guys but it's probably oh, i'm hoping it catches up to them sooner than later well you know this is a prototypical case of uh, uh, you know towing the line or believing the believing the quote unquote facts that support your argument so in that vein uh, i frankly read uh, uh, you know things which seem to be fairly reliable and well researched evidence to the contrary you know something that uh, and i i was also uh, uh, reading up on the unlawful internet gambling enforcement act mm-hmm. and one of the things when i was uh, researching it uh, that came up was that actually uh, mckinsey did a study in 2015 on dfs and the dfs uh, industry as a whole and came up with the result uh, that 91% of winnings uh are actually won by only 1.3% of the players which to me suggests that you need the skills there are people who probably have all kinds of elaborate statistical uh tools and models uh wherein they are able to uh, uh, you know predefine trends and prognosticate based on skill competency probability etc yeah. none of which in my mind is any different from what one would as an individual do in order to unriddle a math uh, riddle or a you know complex math algorithm so to me frankly there is a purely academic aspect to it second thing is the very fact that we talked about earlier as being true for real fantasy which is the whole camaraderie among fans the the feeling that you are in the game when you, all you are doing is basically sit on your armchair and talk about uh, you know players i think still holds true uh yeah, that's that. my less educated or less uh less uh, intelligent take on it as well which is the combination of those two things makes me think that yes it is a lot closer to gambling but you know what it probably is as close to uh the sheer skill of it as well well i i think the uh, camaraderie part is definitely true right the problem is these sites are basically um making it a money based uh, activity and that's what makes it gambling if you remember back in the day i think the sites like yahoo and espn they they really didn't even bring the money aspect into the traditional fantasy leagues now they are starting to handle money or do something with it i'm not sure how they do it actually but it, it has always been the money part is always happens on the side right on the yeah. dfs part it's that's the kind of the central driver uh, i feel like plus to your stat about that 91% being made by 1.3 that's very interesting uh, but it may also be 
the stat that brings them down eventually because that almost tells you that money is flowing from average folks up to this 1%, right? <laughs> so whether it's skill or whatnot, that's one of the problems with gambling, right? The system is somebody else is taking someone else's money based on events that nobody can control, either side can control. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that stat, whether it hurts them or helps them. I think it can go either way with that. Uh, but to me, it's closer to the uh, sports gambling than it is to fantasy. And hey, if you want to make sports gambling legal, do it, right? I'm not going to shed any tears over that. But since it's not, I'm just amazed that these guys get away with it. And now they're big corporations. Let's see what they can lobby and what they can uh, do with all the money they have. So. Yeah, I, by the way, the one thing I will give you is, uh, you know, in, in, in regards to there being something objectionable with this whole DFS uh, wave, is the sheer amount and uh, frequency of uh, direct response advertising, especially on television, that uh, folks like DraftKings and FanDuel put up. Yeah. I think, and where it tends to, I feel, impact uh, negatively is to me, in some ways, fantasy sports still represent a certain, or there needs to be a certain uh, layer of opaqueness uh, between fantasy sports in general, but specifically DFS at the very least, yeah. uh, versus making it totally transparent to the entirety of a television watching audience. And I'm directly talking about kids, right? right. Kids are interested in football or basketball or baseball. Then they slowly start coming to know about fantasy sports, which I guess is still okay. But then they start watching a game and they see 50 ads for FanDuel and ask what that is and then all of a sudden you are literally educating minors and kids right. on gambling, on quote-unquote gambling. That's a good point you make, but what is really pissing me off more than anything else, I don't have any problem with DFS, the fact that NFL just pushed all these ads down our throat all season long last year, right? Yeah. After always you know, having this holier-than-thou attitude towards uh, sports betting and things of that nature. Like, I don't know if you know this, in Vegas, they don't even let the casinos use the word Super Bowl in their betting sheets for the Super Bowl. You have to say pro football championship because NFL is like so holier-than-thou, right? They have nothing That's to do with this. amazing, yeah. Yeah, so given that background, it's really upsets me that they would be so in bed with these uh, DFS companies, the two you mentioned, and NFL was just shamelessly uh, pushing them all season long. I thought that was pretty hypocritical. But anyway, yeah. that's... I think what's interesting is now ESPN has backed out of its deal with DraftKings, right? And Fox has also uh, marked down its uh, investment uh, by a fair margin. So I think there are some remedial things that are being done at least from an advertising perspective, but at an yeah. overall level, I'm a huge uh, DFS <laughs> backer still. Good for you. Go make some money. Uh, <laughs> coming coming back to the traditional fantasy, uh, which you will have a mock draft again next week. Um, quick question. Um, I know we have uh, had some arguments about this for years. This year, especially given how the top of the draft looks completely different from what we have ever seen, right? At least in my 
time playing fantasy football, and we touched on that last week. I wanted to hear if you're still going to be drafting for position or talent. And what I mean by that is when people go into these drafts, right, they have this notion of, oh, I usually pick one league running backs in first round. Or we even have somebody in our league, Ravi, you know, who just picks quarterback every year in the first yeah. round. And then there are others who played by the year, kind of, okay, this year there is value with receivers, I'm going to pick them if I'm in this position, or sometimes even with Gronk, you know, he has been creeping up the first round pretty good the last few years, even a tight end. I think years back we would never even think of a tight end in the first couple of rounds. So this year is really going to be challenging for old-timers like us. So I was really wondering whether you are still committed to your positional strategy, which I guess both of us have been fan of in the past, but I am seriously moving away from that lately. And this year, I think, uh, you know, I may as well jump on the wide receiver bandwagon. So what, what's your take on where you are going with this, uh, this year's track? You know, I'd rather die fighting... <laughs> The way, you know, I believe in war versus trying to toe the line of someone else. And I truly do feel uh, I can see the logic of drafting wide receivers high. In fact, this, uh, you know, transformation literally has happened in the last two days after our last podcast. But having said that or having admitted that, I still cannot make myself pick wide receivers early. So I am going to this year... <laughs> do the same exact thing that I've done for the past 10 years with middling success, but I'd rather do that than basically switch my strategy, continue sucking, and then blame the strategy for it. Yeah, so you're, uh, you're going down with your uh, running backs. You're, uh, you're going to stick with your plan. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I guess similar to uh, the, the core of an earlier argument as well, I think given that the two schools of thought in this regard have their own justifications and arguments. I think it's easy to back yourself to, you know, think a certain way. In my case, it is that I think running backs are still valuable, so they need to be drafted high because there's always evidence that kind of points to that. Yeah, uh, so, I, I wish, so yeah, I'm going to stick that way. I really wish, uh, even if at the cost of my own draft position, that you get number one this year. Because I, I I have a hard time seeing anybody not picking Antonio Brown. But uh, we'll see. I, I want to put you in that predicament and see what you do. <laughs> but, you know, you know it may be easier okay, for you. you know I'll, I'll, I'll soften my stance already. <laughs> I, I will go ahead and be an, uh, running back infidel if and only if uh, I get the first pick. Okay, cool. Well, it's going to be fun next week as we figure all this out together. Yeah. And uh, hopefully uh, people tune in and, uh, again, they can ask us questions at, at Masala PTI on Twitter if they uh, choose to. And uh, that pretty much wraps all the topics for this week, Ravi. And I think it's time to go to Paka 5. Um, I have my list ready. Do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> I have a Paka 3, but uh, I do. Okay. Let, uh, do you want to go first or uh, should I go sure. first? Sure. I mean, I don't mind going first. Yeah, go for it. So, Arvind, here are my three key thoughts uh, which uh, constitute my pakka three for the day. The first one 
as has become my trend has to do with uh, cricket and something that's going on right now which is uh, a test series between india and uh, the west indies india obviously was regarded as the overwhelming favorite they ended up winning the first test uh, west indies was able to stave them off in the second mm-hmm. test and the third test started today and something interesting that came up which kind of uh, made me think of a broader uh, topic which is uh, we have a captain uh, named virat kohli who's yeah. supposedly this brash and aggressive individual from a personality standpoint and there has been this uh, overwhelming showering of praise and uh, uh, throwing uh, of his capabilities as a skipper already uh, because most people have basically stated that everything that he represents as an individual will translate to his ability to captain and skipper the team aggressively and in my mind that's a severe faux pas because aggressiveness or tactical uh, uh, you know uh, fast paced aggression has absolutely nothing to do with physical aggression and today's game or today's match uh, the third test match that started today is an example in in that context uh, i think uh, due to his quote unquote aggressive nature Uh, Kohli ended up dropping a couple of players who had performed fairly well in the series so far ended up bringing in two other players who supposedly bat more aggressively and the end result at least on day 1 is i think india has lost six wickets for a little over 200 runs and are barely there in the game mm-hmm. as it stands right now and to me that's where uh, there is value to be gained from being defensive minded and uh, there that is that is a malady that i think in general the indian media the indian think tank has which is to all of a sudden anoint the next uh, you know uh, uh, strategic genius uh, and and drawing in compa- analogies which frankly make no sense especially yeah. as it regards to his individual personality yeah probably a little too soon exactly exactly yeah. so my second uh, Paka five point is around the Olympics, and it's not as much the games themselves, but it's about the coverage by NBC. And I think when uh, this happened uh, or this started happening, I don't know if it was the last Olympics or the or the one before that, wherein NBC would uh, uh, whatever the new word for tape delays, but they would basically tape delay events uh, to prime time in order to make sure that a maximum uh, viewership was gained. Uh, to watch key events and i think that makes absolutely no sense yeah uh, you in today's again going back to an earlier comment that one of us made in today's world where people have literal real time updates on event and results 3 seconds after the completion of that particular event via twitter and uh, internet etc it makes absolutely no sense waiting 6 hours to <laughs> watch a complete replay of a long basketball game uh, or a gymnastics event i think it almost makes me think that nbc is making a very dedicated desire to go back to the heidi bowl uh, if you remember in 1968 there was this uh, Uh, very critical crucial american football league game between the raiders and the jets and uh, the raiders scored two touchdowns in the last minute to win the game but unfortunately the us uh, game watching audience had absolutely no idea because nbc had uh, broken away from its coverage of the game to showcase heidi the television film <laughs> with the pretext that they will actually show the jets raiders game after the movie was over so I cannot believe I'm saying this but it that was 1968 today's 2016 and the Olympics are still being shown by NBC yeah. in a very high D game format. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and that's my last true. uh 
comment or the last point in my paka 3 is again going back to the olympics it's about certain sports which frankly should not be sports i have no idea how <laughs> shooting trampoline curling equestrian how are these sports leave alone sports that qualify to be in the olympics i mean what's next hamburger eating or downhill <laughs> dumpster racing i mean it well, makes absolutely no sense and if one were to start with the basic premise that you need to have some exertion of physical and mental energy in order and 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 over a sustained period of time that displays your stamina and endurance i have no idea how shooting uh, or curling or uh, equestrian is the best i mean the horse is doing all the work for you <laughs> and you end up winning gold i mean truly i mean that beats me but anyway that's that's my uh, slate for the day cool uh, that's a good one with the last one that's always an interesting argument what makes a uh, sport and what does not um my my uh, thoughts for today my pucker five is uh, has follows i actually we spoke a little bit about the hall of fame i don't know if you got to watch uh, gruden's qb camp which usually does it with rookies and people coming into the league but he did a special one for Brett Favre i think that's very interesting that people should check it out uh because as somebody who actually worked with Brett Favre and he was on the sidelines for some of his more memorable games it was really interesting for him to sit down with Brett Favre after his all of fame induction or during or before or i don't know when he met him but basically their thought process and their discussions on what went on it's it's pretty fascinating that's worth a watch Um, interesting yeah and the second point also staying with football one thing that caught my eye was uh, we always talk about this old big market versus small market differences and i like to think that in today's world with twitter and social media and everybody having access to everything that doesn't matter that much but Todd Gurley's exposure this offseason and the number of ads he's appearing appearing on and all of that to me tells me that how powerful that LA brand still is now granted he had an amazing rookie season he was going to his popularity was going to skyrocket anyways but i don't think he is this uh you know prevalent in on ESPN and the media and everywhere if he stays if the team had stayed in St. Louis Now that he's in LA, he's almost like the West Coast Odell Beckham Jr. He's is almost everywhere, and that to me shows the power of uh, a big market and how people are really jumping on this LA Rams bandwagon. I, I thought that was uh, interesting. Great, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of big things happened in baseball. I want to mention here. One was uh, Ichiro Suzuki got his 3,000th hit. uh congrats to him and i'm really happy for him too i think he's a guy with just uncommon humility and work ethic and simplicity that is not commonly uh you know you don't see it that often in american sports kudos to him for uh entertaining us for so long and getting to 3000 Uh also the yankees couple of uh, guys making a combined 50 million dollars announced their retirement arod pretty much is gone right away which is surprising and then mark tashera uh 
announced he's retiring at the end of the season. It's almost like in corporate parlance, one guy got fired and the other guy got laid off. So <laughs> he gets a bit of time to pack up. Erod is just gone. Uh, I can't think of another athlete who has uh, enjoyed the highest of highs and just dropped to the lowest of lows. But uh, Yankees now have a lot of money, I guess, as if they didn't have it already, but they have more uh, money saved up. And they were sellers at this trade deadline, and they have like 10 minor leaguers that they got. It's going to be, maybe we should all be ready for another uh, Yankee dynasty over the next few years. Um, I, that's, that's something that uh, was big news in baseball this week. For my last point, actually, uh, just like you, I want to go back to Olympics. To me, the enduring image so far has been this picture from uh, beach volleyball. I think it's a game from one of the qualifying rounds between Germany and Egypt. Yes. You have these... Uh, did you see that image? You yeah, these, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you have these two women uh, diving around the net. I don't even know who is spiking and who is trying to block. But there, there is this one woman from Germany in a bikini on the right, and then there is this other woman dressed up in a bodysuit, head to toe, and also wearing a hijab. To me, that is so symbolic of the human spirit as well as the Olympic spirit. How we could all look different, dress different, speak different, you know, eat different, whatever. But at the end of the day, we have a lot more in common than we, you know, we have in terms of differences, that we share common aspirations, goals, uh, dreams, and as long as we are all able to follow them and chase them and achieve them, I think the world will be a better place. And that picture, just not to trivialize all of the world's problem into one picture, but to me that picture carried a very strong message that if we stop or at least judge each other a little less and accept each other a little more, we will all understand that we have a lot more in common and maybe the human race will get somewhere. So Absolutely. Now, yeah, that's one point I completely agree with you. I think that picture spoke more profoundly than a million speeches. Yeah, that's definitely worth, uh, worth uh, ch- uh, you know, checking out for folks. Anyways, that I should probably get off my high horse at this point and... Uh, that pretty much wraps up our show and uh, can't wait, Ravi, for the mock uh, fantasy draft next week. Have a fun yeah. week. Yeah, absolutely. And as Arvind uh, pointed out earlier, would appreciate any kind of inquiries, questions, things that you would like for us to talk about and delve into uh, on our Twitter. handle is MasalaPTI. Uh, and uh, looking forward to having another one real soon. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.